Sunday sermon from helplessness to faith was particularly personal for me as I began to look at this story I began to identify uh, greatly with what I was seeing it seems as the way God providentially brought the story to us in uh, all three of the synoptic gospels Mark's account with all the great detail um, drew a picture of helplessness on a grand scale. Not only helplessness of the father uh, and son uh, possessed with the deaf and dumb spirit, but also the disciples. So you have two things going on at one time. The helplessness of the disciples is accentuated by the fact that Jesus and the main three disciples, you know, the inner, inner circle of Peter, James, and John were with Jesus up on the Mount of Transfiguration. They had also been privileged to be a part of the raising of Jairus' daughter and to see the woman with the issue of blood healed. They were with Jesus when these things happened, and uh, Jesus was away from the other disciples. The other disciples were back at home, and when the story begins, you know, one of the uh, accounts says, when they came down from the hill, and you know, so it was literally, you can just picture it, here they are coming from glory and power and incredible situation. And they walk down the hill. And when they get there, the scribes have been questioning the disciples. And you get the idea from what you read in the text about this chaotic scene with uh, the disciples, uh, the scribes, and uh, a bunch of people crowding around these disciples that have been left behind, and it's becoming quite a frantic situation. They're answering questions that it doesn't seem that maybe they can, uh, that the disciples could answer. And I don't know if there were other instances where they were incapable of healing, but definitely in the situation with the deaf and dumb spirit, they were not able to heal the boy. So the crowd starts running to him. People start, you know, asking Jesus questions. I can imagine the disciples are just, you know, wagging their heads like, what on earth? You know, where have you been? You know, we've been doing our best. And so when the man from the crowd yells out to Jesus, uh, I brought my son to the disciples and he could not cast out, they could not cast out the spirit. This was kind of like the, the, the turning point of the story. So I'm sure they were relieved that Jesus was there. Um, but Jesus appears to be, you know, I don't want to assign emotions where the Bible doesn't say it, but he does come at them with a pretty harsh statement. Oh, faithless generation. How long will I be with you? 
how long can I endure this? You know, how long will I endure it? So he, he appears to be uh, irritated or frustrated. I'm not exactly sure how that all works with, you know, what Jesus understands and knows and all these things. But it does appear this emotion is what we're seeing. So here we have uh, him pointing this out. So, so this helpless situation, the disciples can't answer the question. They can't heal or cast out the demon. And, uh, and then we have the details of the, of the, the story itself. We have a man who has not only an only son, but an only child. So let's, that's what I would consider like one ratchet strap <laughs> tighter to uh, a helpless situation. He loves the child. He wants the child healed. He's, you know, brought the child there seemingly kind of on a last-ditch effort. Lord, please, I'll, I'll try anything. And he gets there, and the new thing that he wants to try doesn't work. Uh, we learn from Jesus questioning him that not only is he possessed with a spirit but that he has been possessed with a spirit for a really long time i don't know how old he is but it says from a child on and you wouldn't say that if he were still a child so we're looking at a minimum of a number of years that this boy is possessed with the spirit and the descriptions are painful if you get into the details of them he was uh, it says he was tearing himself, so I'm, I'm assuming that means he's cutting himself and his flesh is being ripped. Uh, it says that he's bruised. It says the bruises uh, never go away. It says that he uh, throws himself in the fire and he throws himself in the water and apparently he even throws himself down from higher places Uh but in all this time, the father has been able to um, stop it from killing himself, but not not stop him from making him hurt himself. It says that the boy grinds his teeth. So, I mean, you know, if you're going to say someone grinds their teeth, I mean, it's going to be more than your traditional grinding of the teeth. And he foams at the mouth like a rabid dog. Uh, he cries out in pain and so i was thinking of the story and i'm 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 like so this this boy is is deaf and dumb uh he can't hear them he can't speak to them and tell them what's hurting him when they're trying to bring him some some medical attention or try to help him they can't but he can cry and i'm just thinking oh i just can't imagine what it would have been like to be the parent of this boy year after year, you know, day after day, uh, trying to save him from hurting himself, trying to treat him from hurting himself, you know, you know, I don't know, uh, binding up his wounds, um, and just knowing that he's moaning and that he's crying, but yet he can't say anything to you. Oh, I just, when I was hearing that, uh, the details of that story, I was just, sick just thinking of what it would be like to be this man and then there was the one last word that is it's only in one of the gospel accounts but it uses the term he pineth away 
So I looked that up and, and wanted to understand what that word was because it seemed like an even deeper, uh, desperate kind of a thing. And so I looked it up and it was that he was wasting away. That even though his dad was able to save him and uh, keep him from killing himself, it seemed that this constant barrage of, uh, you know, demonic oppression <clears throat> was taking a toll on his his health and he was deteriorating he was wasting away he was emaciated by the constant constant uh ungodly assaults from the inside that this demon would bring this was really really so this this is a i can't imagine feeling more helpless uh than being a father and seeing a situation like this. So I really believe that is part of what the Holy Spirit was trying to communicate. And so the disciples are feeling helpless. This man is feeling helpless. And Jesus connects with the situation. And he, and he tells them in one account that if they had any faith at all, if they even had a little faith, they could say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. And so he was um, he was hitting them pretty hard that they didn't have any faith. Now, remember, faith is when we trust in what we can't see, uh, but what we believe about God. And God's word is true. God had, uh, through Christ, told these people that they had power from God to tread upon serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy and nothing by any means could hurt them. They uh, were sent out by Christ. They had been given a specific calling. Go out, uh, heal the sick, uh, raise the dead, um, cast out demons. And so they had been given this specific power. It is not as though when you read this story that the conclusion ought to be that, you know, when we can't, cast every demon and heal every illness and, and do all these things that somehow we don't have faith. But these people in particular had been told by Christ that they could do this. And they weren't. And they weren't doing it because they didn't have faith. They, they had been depending on and relying on Jesus to have faith for them. And we see examples of this over and over. He, uh, is the one doing the miracles. We're not, re we don't really hearing miracle stories by the disciples. Now, later on we do. And so the story is a story of them growing up. I mean, later on we have Peter passing by in his very shadow healing people. We have, uh, them taking cloths that have been prayed for and, uh, taking them and people are being healed. We never read ever of one story where the disciples go after Christ, after this, uh, after they come to a place where they're not hopeless, but they are in faith after they've seen the resurrection, you do not find a, an account in the book of Acts where any of these people encountered things that they couldn't deal with. Uh, they had the, they had, they had already had the power to do it. Uh, but now they had the faith. So they went from, and that's what the, the theme of what I believe the message was on Sunday, they went from hopelessness to faith. 
And sometimes the journey of hopelessness to faith uh, comes when we have to be reminded what God's Word says. I was actually with a young man last night, and, you know, really being a minister is reminding people of what God's Word says. And so sometimes we need to be reminded that when we're, when we don't know what to do, and everything, all of our efforts seem to fail in life, whether you're a young man or an old man or whatever, that we need to redouble our efforts to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. After all these other things, the Gentiles seek. But we can get caught up in all these other things too. We can worry about what we're going to do to eat, what we're going to do to pay our bills, what we're going to do to provide clothing for our children. And we can set our life uh, on those goals to make sure we get all that. But Jesus said, after those things, the Gentiles seek. That shouldn't be us. Like Paul says, why should we walk around? Uh, when he says to the Ephesians, he says, walk not like the Gentiles walk. They've been blinded. They're, they're groping in darkness. You have not so learned Christ. You know, be renewed by the inner man and don't walk like them. They're groping in darkness. Walk, walk like children of light who can see. And so the transformation here uh, starts with a confrontation. And the confrontation is you don't have faith. So their faithlessness was the reason why this boy wasn't healed. Now, he uses this and he teaches them this by the interaction he has with the father. The father says to Jesus, uh, you know, quote, if you can do anything, please have compassion on us, you know, and do it. So he is not really speaking in faith. He's not speaking like uh, Jairus' daughter, uh, Jairus' father. Uh, he's not speaking like Jairus. <laughs> well, there's there's two, uh, two confusing things. Sorry about that. Jairus comes and he says, I believe if you touch her, you can heal her. The, the, the woman, the issue of blood, I, you know, she's saying in herself, if I can touch the hem of his garden, then I'll be healed. So these two are uh, reaching out in faith to Jesus. And so Jesus responds by, you know, virtue flowing from him when she touches the hem of his garment and uh, going in. And before he commands the woman, the, the, the daughter to get up, he, um, he touches her. So he responds in the way that, you know, the people who had faith. So, but this young man, uh, this, this boy is not healed, uh, until the father comes to the place where the, where he says, um, he's, Jesus says to him, if you can believe she can be healed. So he does something new here that we don't see before in any of the stories about Jesus. We see uh, Jesus setting a condition of his faith. And I believe that the condition of his faith is being set here as a lesson to the disciples who had just been told, you know, if they had the faith, they could do this, but they're a faithless generation. So he's, he's, he's sort of lumping them in with all the other Jews who've been faithless through all these years. And he's, he's wanting them to not be that. And so he's 
rebuking them, chiding them, showing his frustration, but at the same time teaching them, yes, I'm frustrated with you, but if you did have faith, you could do this. Jesus was teaching them. So he he does this by saying to the man, if you if you believe, you can you can see your your son healed. So so we have a helplessness to faith. We see it coming from realizing our weakness, our impotence to to do anything without Christ. We're reminded that our faith is not in our own abilities. Our faith is not in uh, our hard work or anything our our faith is in the word of god so what is the word of god uh, what did it had it told the disciples hey you have the power now if you have the faith you can access the power he told the the uh the young the, the young man's bo- the bo- father that he if he had the faith could see these things and of course we know what happens the man says this he says Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. So when we lack the faith to do what we know God's word says, we should fall upon the mercy of God and we should call out to him and say, Lord, I know what your word says. I know what the, what the scriptures admonish me to do, but I'm not doing it, and I, but I want to do it. And we pray. And faith, the Bible says, is a gift of God. We know faith does come by hearing hearing the word of God, but we also know that the Bible says God has given every man faith according to the measure that he decides and he prescribes. And so we say, Lord, give us faith. You know, I believe, but help my unbelief. And you might be in a place right now where, you know, you're, you have been depending on others uh, to have faith for you, you know, but you got to get to, to go from helplessness to faith you have to begin believing God's word on your own. You know, uh, your good old pastor isn't always going to be around. One day I'll be gone. And, um, you know, where I might have the faith that you don't have, you know, the, you need to begin and you can begin to uh, display this. Where your mom and dad are in your life and they're, uh, they've been having faith for you to provide for the family and all this. But when you grow up, uh, young people, when you grow up, you are going to have your own faith. God's word is as true for children in the church as it is for adults. God's callings for us to have faith, to believe, uh, are just as true for young people. And, you know, I was inspired a little bit by uh, a guy I met uh, on uh, at our 4th of July celebration, which was last night. And he's learning to hear the voice of God. And when he feels like God deals with him, he goes and talks to people and witnesses to them. And, and I remember that time in my life too. I remember when I was learning to obey the voice of God and that God will have us do things that are scary and uncomfortable. And so talking to his name was Seth Hood, uh, about how God you know, he's learning to hear the voice of God. Now, these aren't the ways he was describing them. Actually, they'd be the way that I would. Uh, he was just saying, you know, he'll be in a store and the Lord will be challenging him inwardly on, you know, saying something to this person. And he's like, I don't want to do it, but I do want to obey God. And so he says, so I do it. And I was explaining to him that over time, you'll get to hear 
the voice of God. You'll be able to discern it between your own thoughts and your own desires. And and that when a man learns to hear the voice of God, he can have faith uh, that what he's doing is a good thing. So we know what God's word already says, but also God speaks to our hearts. And in this situation, Jesus spoke to the man and said, you can have what you want if you believe. You know, the man had to believe. And when he didn't believe, he called out to God and said, I believe, Lord, but help my unbelief. So let your prayer today and encourage your children's prayers today to be, Lord, Lord, I believe your word's true, but help me where I don't. Lord, give me faith. Make me a man of faith. And just like the disciples went from a place of helplessness to faith, your kids can do that. You can do that. And God will take you there. This journey uh, can begin today um, if, <laughs> if you believe. All right. Hey, have a great day. Hope you're enjoying your day. Some of you on the way to work. Hey, if this Bill Montgomery's listening, he said he likes to listen to things on the way to work. If I haven't talked too long and he's already at work, then hey, have a good day. Enjoy your day, Bill. And all the rest of you, may the Lord be with you.